Hey everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and before I get into our guest today, I have a few housekeeping things to um, to get out of the way. Okay, the first one is that the Instagram for the podcast is now up and running. It's just at Thoughtful Intentions Podcast. Um, and one reason I'm really excited about it is because I've added a segment called If You Know You Know, and it's just a way for me to share photos or videos or references made during podcast episodes that you can look at afterwards or while you're listening. So go follow, like, subscribe, all the things, you know what to do. Um, the next item is that this episode was recorded outdoors again, just to maintain social distancing and be as safe as possible. Um, but the crickets are a bit louder in this one. So thank you in advance for bearing with me and I hope you enjoy the ambiance if, if you want to call it that. Um, okay, next. Um, my guest today asked that I add a disclaimer that all opinions made by podcast guests are their own and do not reflect the organizations or institutions that they are involved in. And I think across the board that that is a great disclaimer for any guest of the show, but um, especially for this one, just because we did talk about the organizations that she's involved in uh, for a lot of it. Um, I also wanted to add my own disclaimer that we did talk a bit about mental health and um, we are not mental health professionals by any means. So if you are struggling, especially during this time, please seek assistance. Um, and the way in which we do talk about mental health is purely from our experiences or observations. So please take that with a grain of salt. Okay, I think those were all the things I had to cover. So yay. Okay, today I got to talk to Melanie Guerrero, and I have known Melanie since the fifth grade, and even back then, she has just radiated sunshine. I don't know how else to describe it, and she might think it's ridiculous, but um, she is just what a, what a great human being. Um, so I was really excited to talk to her primarily now because she is the Produce Plus program assistant at the nonprofit DC Greens who focuses on food justice, food access, and food education in the capital. I don't know about you, but I had never heard of the term food justice before, so I was really excited to learn about that. Um, Melanie also explained to me that there are a lot of food deserts and food apartheid in DC and that people think that cities have food everywhere, but cities typically have the highest population of the most food insecure people. So DC Greens is working to combat that. You can see why now, disc the disclaimer for the organizations. Um, anyway, Melanie, uh, one of the reasons I was so excited about this conversation is how many experiences Melanie went through and allowed herself to grow from and learn from in order to get in the place she's in today. Um, we talked about easing into the discomfort of adulthood, 
food justice, food access, holding yourself accountable, being gentle with yourself, mental health, and she talked a bit about what it was like growing up as a white passing Latina as well. So um, yes, just very excited for this one and hope you enjoy. So without further ado, here's Melanie. <laughs> so sorry. I know, sorry. I'm like, wait. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, you know, this is all about you. Yeah, I guess to talk about, you know, how did I get from point A to point B all of a sudden? Yeah. And just feeling not only you in, but just everyone that's hearing is. Yeah. Um, I had moved back from New York back in January, and I had no clue what I was doing. And I want to even back up further. <laughs> All right, so I, I know I asked the question about COVID, but now that we're on this, yeah, I'm just gonna back up. Let's all go. The way. I mean, this what is, did you even major in? And major, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I Wait, majored what was it? in political science. Okay, so I okay that makes sense. Though. Yeah, that so tracks. now it makes sense because though I did not really enjoy the whole education behind political science at my college, mm-hmm. it just felt very out of the loop. Food is still politics, yeah. so I somehow still ended up in politics, even though when I graduated, I was like, I'm not going to get into politics, but food is political. Um, Which is, that that concept in itself just make, yeah, it makes my brain go my mind. Yeah, but crazy. But I under, it's, when you read more into it and get the scopes, it's almost violent that it's political. Yeah. It's, it's a weapon against communities of color and just anyone who isn't able to access food. Right. Um... But I guess to just, you know, talk about... It's systemic. Yeah, completely. Um, but so, after college... Yeah, after college, I had... just, like, lost. I'm sure a lot of people were lost. I was mm-hmm. working at a veterinary hospital, and I think I knew I had a connection to food, but I just didn't know where to start. Um, and I was there for a year. Great staff. Love them so much. Anyone wants to go check out Grove Center Veterinary Hospital at Gatorsburg, <laughs> they would take care of your pets. <laughs> But I told them, like, hey, I'm connected to food, and I can't stay here any longer. I need to find out why I'm connected and where I can go. Mm-hmm. And I was lost, and so I decided to just move to New York. I don't know why. I just did it. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> so I moved to New York, found a job at a sustainable coffee shop, still doing food. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's slowly getting there. Um, was volunteering at a, sh- at a yoga studio at a reading literacy program that was like a five minute walk from my apartment um and I was still lost (laughs) I had no clue what I was doing I mean like also to be lost in New York is probably like the worst type the worst (laughs) I know of being lost (laughs) I know you're not the first person who's moved to New York and said that to me well it's just like even the pace itself it's like it's so fast that and um I I feel like I've you know, talk down on New York a little bit, even in in my last, um, interview, but I love, I, to be clear, I love it. (laughs) However, not the place to be, to be lost. Like it's not, it's too fast. And if you can't like keep up and if you're not sure about a lot of things, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. And that's what exactly happened to me. Yeah. I have a lot of friends. And expensive. And expensive. I don't know what I was doing. (laughs) I honestly said the past, you know, week, even past two weeks, I've said this a lot, where New York was the worst and the best decision of my life, of my life. 
Um, but I had been working slowly to get involved with food, and I was also volunteering at this CSA membership called Local Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome organization. They were connecting, you know, New York farmers with individuals in New York to just pick up a C- you know, a CSA box if you don't know what CSA is. It's just community serving al- uh, agriculture. Okay. Um, so not only are you getting produce from you know, your area, you're being sustainable, basically. Okay. Um, then awesome. that was exciting. Yeah. Um, I was getting, slowly getting involved with food, at least with, like, clean food access. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as much as I loved where this was going and how much I loved being around produce, um, the CSA was, it was meant for people that had money. Okay. Which is fine. You know, yeah. people are being smart with what the choices with their food, but I felt so deeply uninterested and disconnected. I just felt, all right, I'm getting there, but this just doesn't seem where I want to go quite it. yet. Yeah. yeah. So New York was rough. Yeah. Don't know what, again. How long did you, how long were you there officially? Six months. Okay. And I feel like even that decision to leave was hard. Yeah, it was so hard. I decided to just, I knew deep down that it wasn't for me. Like, good on you for doing something about it, you know? I feel like that's where people get tripped up. Yeah, it's a lot of pride to just do something big like that and having to come back home. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for my family. I know a lot of people don't have the privilege to come back home, mm-hmm. but I knew deep down there was something that I wasn't connecting with, which now I'm so okay with. Yeah, totally. But before it was so rough. To just actually acknowledge, I don't belong in New York. <laughs> what yeah. am I doing here? I'm not a freaking city girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I'm a city girl in some aspects, but... Well, there are, cert- there are people that love visiting cities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there is no way I could, you know, take a one-hour bus ride to the nearest park, which is okay. I get it, yeah. I think I just need to take... I'm very... De- I feel very d- deeply connected to nature, and I felt so much better coming back home and just knowing. I mean, you seem super grounded. I sure hope I am. I, know, I mean, I know you can't, like, you're only listening to this, but uh, what I'm witnessing <laughs> is a very grounded person. <laughs> and so I, that's really exciting. Yeah. So when I came back, I was lost. I did. Yeah. I was lost again after yeah. being lost in New York. Yeah. Um, and I was kind Maybe of in a more comforting way, at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. That's good. Um, but I came back and was applying to jobs, getting rejected, updating my resume. I was doing it nonstop. Yeah. Um, and then I had, you know, the chance to just go to Paraguay and take some time there, figure out like, what am I doing. I so your family is from Paraguay. Yes. And you go there a ton. Yeah, at least like every two years. You want to talk about that a little? Yeah. <laughs> Please. So parents came from Paraguay fairly young. Mom was 16, grew up in D.C. Mm-hmm. Dad was about 22. They met in the States, okay. um, which most people find very confusing. But they have, there's a huge community, let me correct myself, there's a small community in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, Paraguayans, um, but we're fairly large when we come together. Mm-hmm. Um, they met here, and they raised us in Langley Park, and then we moved to Silver Spring when I was about three years old. Um, yeah, I, now that I'm older, I feel way more Latina, way more Paraguayan, 
than I did when I was, you know, in middle school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's just... Your Spongebob shirts. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. My Spongebob shirts. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I have not know. It's okay. That's flashback. But St. Andrews, I think, you know, as... I think you can back me up. There weren't a lot of Latinos. No. When we were around. No. Um, I think Which I'll, is funny, because I feel like this area has a lot. Has a lot. Yeah. But no. But I remember, you know, being that young and almost, you know, wanting to be gringa. Mm-hmm. And just, if that just means I wanted to fit in. Yeah. So when I got to Northwood, everyone's like, you're a, gring- you're a gringa, pero, you know, you're Latina. Yeah. What, what, what's going on here? Um, but then eventually I realized. Is that like a bit of an identity crisis? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely like with a some you know even latinos call me gringa and yeah. they're just like very weird but like you're not enough for yeah. either side but then that thing you know that we can also go into this deep web of deep web of me being uh way passing and having that privilege to like sure. go anywhere and look a certain way mm-hmm. and it's that's another identity crisis. Yeah. You know? Oh, what a rabbit hole. So many I'm rabbit holes. A rabbit hole I would love to go down, but I will let you lead that charge. Yeah. Whatever you want to go down, please. Um, so, you know, once, you know, I was in Paraguay, if you want to go back to this conversation. Sure. Um, in, in Paraguay, I kind of lost, came back. I had to come back early because Paraguay, Paraguay was like, we're going on lockdown immediately. Okay. Brazil had a case that kind of came over to Paraguay or something of that sort and me and my mom had left came back and I was lost again right and I just kept you know kept applying to jobs and then I found this listserv of people trying to find volunteers for you know food access volunteering to just work on this volunteer based you know, emergency response team to get people groceries if they were without without food and also a COVID case in the home, which meant they mm. couldn't leave their home. No one could leave the home for two weeks. Right. Um, spoke to these women called Jane and Amber, and they were hitting the ground running with serving So this folks. was like, was this just a church that had an influx of donations? Yeah. And that, because... When we talked about it before, when I saw you a few months ago, it sounded like, you know, it just kind of exploded out of nowhere. It did. It wasn't like a prior, like, setup. It Mm -hmm. just, there was a need, and then there was a team to kind of deliver. It was Amber, who is this awesome woman, just had friends at a church, and they had, you know, money kind of, you know available yeah mm-hmm. and didn't really have anything set up but they wanted to help people who were directly affected by covid yeah and she was like you know what i'll do it i'll set it up and she thought it was going to be something kind of small and then it became big and uh, then i have chills it's so it, cool it just like someone tweeted tweeted we need volunteers and it got like 2,000 retweets and all these people started wanting to volunteer and then there was a need in D.C., in Maryland, and it was it just exploded. spoke to Amber, and she's like, could you be a team leader and just really, you know, con- connect with volunteers, connect with families, you know, and... You know. Kind of like a liaison. Yeah. Like so food we, runners. And yeah, okay. exactly. So that we had a huge database. Database. 
honestly, Google Sheet, um, <laughs> of like 3,000 volunteers. Wow. Yeah. It just, oh it my was, God, I didn't realize. It was huge. It was huge. That's incredible. Um, and basically, I just, you know, would call a volunteer, see if they're interested, and then connect them with a the family that needed groceries. Um, and I imagine this is where being bilingual especially comes, helps a ton. Yeah. So I was talking to, I mean, my position, I spoke to only you know, Latinx families, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them, you know, didn't know where to start. People mm-hmm. that, who honestly maybe weren't even food insecure prior to COVID, or yeah, maybe they were, just had no clue about getting food. I feel like that, that question alone is like, it literally relates back to what we were talking about. It's always the how, you know? Yeah. People always talk about what you should do, but never, like, how to do it, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. It's, like, it was, it's, you know, and there were so many, so many organizations doing so much to get people food, but there was also the, unfortunately, some organizations made people show proof of citizenship. And I think Why? I think it's more so like to keep count of how people they were serving, you know, make sure they were, you know, they had, you know, portions. Not even I that. I think it was make sure like they lived in a certain county or a certain ward, oh, you know. Oh, oh. But being an undocumented, undocumented individual, yeah. you don't have that kind of access. And not only that, you're terrified to go anywhere. Of course. Especially, you know, in our area where the fear of ice being somewhere. I was just going to say, in this particular political climate. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's violent to send, you know, officers ice to an area where people are in, in, insecure. Yeah. Um, and these folks had a lot of fear going anywhere, even to a church. Like, do I do I have to show documentation? Is there, is there going to be someone that I should be scared of? And they didn't want to necessarily tell it, it's you know it became really sensitive and i mm-hmm. had a lot of compassion behind it um but i was working working volunteering with them for quite some time from like, like late march until june mm-hmm. um wasn't working yeah, full days full days yeah full days um but it was volunteer and it was i mean it i didn't care that it was a how did you even find out about it I was signing up for so many random things I found, like, on Twitter, on Instagram, like, on the web. Because like, I even remember texting you, like, in New York, being like, how, how do you find these volunteer opportunities? Like, I, I, well, you always know where to go. <laughs> there's this huge, like, it's called goodfoodjobs.com. And okay. it's this awesome job as an engine shirt that's directly for food folks. Okay. So it can be, like. So if you're in a food volunteer, yeah, a chef, Check a waitress, out. like anything, okay, um, they have it there. So I know a lot of my food volunteer food positions I looked into were there. Um, yeah, plug all the places. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great website. Love it so much. Great. Um, but yeah, I was there for a while, and then I just during the time I was also applying to things because mm-hmm. not only was I working with food on the table, but food insecurity was just increasing because of COVID. Yeah. And I just knew, like, as sad as me to think this is, like, an opportunistic thought, 
it, I knew there were going to be things opening up. Like, there was right. no way. Well, there's a need and you're experienced. Yeah. I, so. I was sure. I, like, I just made the move. I'm like, yeah. I need to start applying because this, yeah. is, this, this is it. Like, this is happening. So I just applied. That's and so exciting, though. Yeah. It, I found, I found. You're, I, I mean, don't even, I can't even believe that. <laughs> you're so sweet to think of it as opportunistic. You're li- still <laughs> serving <laughs> everyone. <laughs> It's, it's, You're just getting paid for it now. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I did a report on DC Greens my senior year from college. It was, no way. Yeah, I will report. Literally a little presentation with like a... Okay, but like, like a, so you manifested this long ago. <laughs> yes, if you believe in manifestations, totally do it. Yeah. I do it. Um, But it was this class called Food in the Society, and you had to pick a couple organizations that were combating like food justice, food access... And I found, like, four in D.C., and I'm like, you know, D.C. Greens is cool. Did a report, and I just literally always applied to any position they had from 2018 until now. Wow. I was, I didn't care that it was, like, <laughs> director of operations. I'm like, I'm unqualified. I'm going to still, my, I'm still going to send my resume. Yeah. Like, I didn't care That's that. That's another huge thing that I feel like some of my friends and I talk about now is just, applying to things that you feel underqualified oh for because like <laughs> it's 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 hard but like I'm I, like, but I feel like I do not yes yeah. I mean I don't want to get into this right now but like statistically men are more likely to do that uh-huh and women aren't and like and and I kind oh. of saw myself doing it when I would read job descriptions uh-huh. or qualifications and be like oh well, I don't have xyz and then yeah. just kind of ne- next you know whereas I think it's the comfort of just being rejected overall not just in jobs maybe by a, a lover or like yeah. you've been rejected by friends or your parents um I didn't like rejection mm-hmm. but I think walking myself towards direct, direct well, when you do it enough yeah it's like well, <laughs> whatever you kind of get really excited yeah. when something works out exactly <laughs> so I just kept applying it awesome. and then I got here and now we you know we just connect folks to food um and it's, I hate to say, it's my dream come true, honestly, oh, for why? now, for now, I you know. I hate to say it. I don't know, because it's, I believe in manifestation and, yeah. like, just keeping things, honestly, to myself until I feel like I can, it's not like I want to be selfish with it, but it's mm-hmm. like, this is mine and I'm going to cherish it as long as I can really just, and not hope that anything evil I think, I know, like, the whole evil eye thing, I don't know if you guys believe in the whole evil eye, that when you express, you know, all your life's fortunes and, like, what things are happening, there's someone out there, or the universe out there always being, like, you're talking too much about it. Relax. Be home. Be humble. But that's I didn't just, know about that. That's just me. <laughs> that's, I think that's, like, my <laughs> spiritual, which is a different scope. No, um, that's super cool. Well, but, I don't want to yeah. press you on anything. I mean, like, I think it just comes from... My mom, like, though we, you know, me and you and I, we grew up Catholic. Yeah. Went to a Catholic school, but I knew I didn't, I believe in some sort of higher power. Mm-hmm. And I think it's comforting and awesome that people believe in a God or a Buddha or, you know, a Messiah, Jesus, whatever it is, go do it. Yeah. If that's comforting and you feel like it's working for you, that's your universe, have it, go for it. Um, but for me, it was really, like, manifestation and just... I, I... I feel like I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. I feel that way too. And I think I've reached that conclusion actually because of going to Catholic school. You yeah. Know, like, there were so many 
things I could complain about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but having that exposure, and then in college I took world religions, and then just actually kind of wanted to push further away from it mm-hmm. because of how long I spent yeah. in school, in that Catholic school. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. Higher power. Do do your universe. Do your do your thing. It's yeah. your universe. Yeah, but I just so you've of, super manifested this. Yeah, a lot of writing. I you know, I have read somewhere, heard somewhere, podcast. Yeah. That you writing down your goals or things you want, forty percent of it is already happening. Like that's just you thinking about it in your brain. Wow. You writing it down because you you know, and I wrote down wrote down these things every single day like this is what I want this is how I'm gonna get there I didn't care if I was repeating myself it was helping me believe that I can do it yeah whether that's you know me training my brain every single day Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing I'm writing it down so I'm doing it um I think I just got a lot of motivation to just all right I need to do this I need to do this I've been working with like a career counselor life coach of sorts and um she introduced me to this new format of like a to-do list Mm -hmm. and I have mine on a cork board but like poster board whatever works because I'm a visual learner Mm -hmm. and um which having a podcast is kind of (laughs) funny but um it's there's like a few columns there's um backlog Mm -hmm. so things that you that are on the back burner you don't have to do them yet but you know they're you're giving them a place yeah. so that they are not in the back of your head anymore. They're there. They, ha- they have their place. You know, whenever you get some, you get to them. And then there is um, Sprint, which is things for the week. Yeah. Which I, you know, she might call it something different, but when I heard her say it, I heard Sprint. So that's what I'm just <laughs> kind of going with. Um, <laughs> so that's for the week. And then in progress is things that you're that you're doing and mm-hmm. then you have a done column so you can reflect on the things you finish and the best part about it is that everything's on a sticky note so you can move them around you know like if you have something in progress that needs to go to the backlog you just move it over and it's still they all still have their places yeah you know and when you want to move something to done it can stay in done or you can move it back to in progress or sprint or something yeah you know? so everything feels like it's in flux and all of your ideas like have a plate, a, a physical home. Yeah. So oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone should just, whether it's writing a visual, you know, chart, I think it's so important to just have that out there. Yeah. I've read this. And quote. it makes it less overwhelming, I think. Yeah. 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 I was literally just sending this quote to my friend. Um, I follow this, this account on Twitter. Uh, writes these really sweet like 140 character tweets and this one was hold on let me remember yes it was honestly one of my favorite things because i i oh i've always like written and when i mean by i write i i I have a diary Mm -hmm. i write whatever's in my head who hurt me who i hurt why I did it, how I'm feeling in the day, why I'm feeling that way, anything that's in my brain that I'm overwhelmed with, I throw it out in my journal. And almost immediately, I feel like I did what I needed to and I can just start my day. That's great. Um, but this, you know, writing has always been super important. And I think, I hope that anyone who's listening to this can 
start writing or do yeah. whatever it feels like they're holding so much in themselves? Well, even like journaling, you know, I used to be good about journaling. And then even in this pandemic, which feels like the most important time to journal, mm-hmm. I've gotten bad about it because, you know, I used to write more lengthy entries. And now I'm kind of leaning towards just going for like a sentence or two. Yeah. And that's fine, too. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be like it does not. There's some days where I literally write, I don't want to write today. <laughs> and that's it. That's great. But there's this quote um, that I found that was saying, writing is how I make room for what's too big to live inside my small body. And I think that just settled in me so much. Cause yeah. I felt like there was so much in my body, so much in my brain that was bad energy, good energy, and I just needed to write it down. Yeah. So it's been super helpful. Oh, but awesome. I feel like that's where things just like kind of manifest, manifested itself. That's great. Yeah. Yay. Okay, yeah. so you are working with DC Greens, and you just did a, a food justice panel, if I'm not... What was the panel that you were doing? Like, last week. Oh! No panel. I was just a part oh, okay. of a seminar. A seminar. Seminar, okay. Yeah, so... I guess it's just, like, advice to anyone. Literally, if you're interested in something, find a seminar online. Mm-hmm. They might be boring, but what was this one about? It was about um, history of grocery stores in the capital, or just overall. Um, Anything to learn, to share? Oh, so there's this idea the history, the history that grocery stores are just have this saving complex mm-hmm. to fix food access in D.C., which it does. Um, it's important to have grocery stores in wards that need them, but it's not going to fix what people don't have, which is basically capital. Mm. Just because there's a grocery store somewhere doesn't mean people can go get food. Wow. Um, and, again, this these are... That's such, like, a... Obvious perspective yeah. that is not talked about. It, yeah, and it's, like, these aren't my experiences because, one, I'm not a D.C. resident. Mm-hmm. Two, I've never experience food insecurity as deep as these people have yeah and three i can't talk about experiences of other folks Mm -hmm. um so if we really want to get deep down about what food security is we need to go to east of the river ward seven and eight and ask those folks which what dc greens necessarily does they basically yeah they basically give the power to the people that have the knowledge um where we, else are you going to find your solution exactly. if you don't ask? Exactly. Yeah. Um, people think, put a Harris Theater somewhere. Put a Trader Joe's in there. Put a Wal- like a Walmart grocery store. Yes, they need it, but it's more about teaching, te- teaching folks what it means to have produce that's theirs. Mm-hmm. And maybe growing it in their backyard if they have the time to. Yeah. Or maybe, like, it's beyond just grocery stores. Yeah. It needs to get... I need to get down to the core level of it. That's so interesting. And, and you've kind of done some work. I mean, some is an understatement, but in terms of like on the ground, in in the food, like with the Amazon, right? Yeah. So so what was that all about? So I I literally was just from. I was like, Melanie definitely went to the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so my professor in college, Dr. Scullion, um, 
he every two years he takes um, a group of uh, McDaniel students to the Amazon, Madre de Dios, um, Peru. It's like the last. That's where Madre de Dios is the Amazon, and Puerto Maldonado is the last town before hitting the Amazon. Okay. Um, so he takes students for about a month, and we had different projects. Some of us worked on plants, some of, some of us worked on folklore, other people worked on, you know, um, uh, organizations in the, in, in the Amazon that protect the rainforest. Um, so we all had different scopes. How did folklore? I had I had folklore. How did how did that fit in? So it was more about the research overall. There's there's not a lot of research of you know the folks in the Amazon. You know, it's, it's we actually made the Wikipedia page because stop it. Doctor Schooling was like, <laughs> if you search up Madre de Dios, nothing comes up besides a map and some information. So we're gonna fill this in basically because anyone can do Wikipedia. Yeah. That was like the very that was like the very start of our program. Okay. And then after we were done with more information we kinda filled it in. Yeah, totally. Um so we kinda just like found themes, things we want to work on. My group for, like focused on folklore, so I e focused on stories of the forest, spirits of the forest. Uh, it was so cool. It was <laughs> so cool. And like basically we spent me and my group spent days like listening to people talk about folklore of the forest wow yeah oh that's awesome it was awesome i didn't have my phone for like a month it was great i smelled so bad that was great i was gonna say i remember when you were packing vaguely remember you saying that you could only pack long pants and long sleeves (laughs) and only like two pairs of each yeah so like I was wet all the time. Like the rainforest. <laughs> like yeah. we went on hikes, got rained. We had our clothes outside on lines. We went back, tried to change. Nope, those clothes are wet too. Oh my god. Um, we had to be cautious about how much water we were using, taking showers, yeah. and it got to the point where we're like we're all stinky. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was doing folklore, but what really kind of like sparked my food love, or just like wow, this is food. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Was we had to get down the boat drive, boat drive, boat ride <laughs> into, you know, LPAC, which was um, the organization we were staying with. It was a six-hour boat ride on the Amazon River, Amazon wow. River. And basically, we had to pack all these things from Puerto Maldonado, which was like food, our clothes, went to the grocery store, stores, got what we needed in bulk. But then vegetables that we received we got well in our area. So the boat ride was from, like, the main land mm-hmm. to... To the El Pac. Okay. Um, but to get these fresh fruits, we literally got on the boat and hopped to different farms on the on the edge of the river oh, wow. that had, you know, you know, yucca or, like, pineapples or just some... Had was, were there people farming it or was it just, like, kind of wild? People farming it. Okay. Um... So, the community overall, like, people knew, like, I'm farming this, you're farming that. Yeah. And this is how we kind of make our money. Totally. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I'm on a, my grocery store run, grocery store run. Yeah. It's me hopping on a boat with my classmates and going to different farms and picking up this food. That's cool. And it was so cool. And I feel like that just adds, like, so much respect to it. Yeah. And 
It was it was amazing. I pretty sure I cried because <laughs> it's like you are walking and you're sweating and you're uncomfortable and you're like, oh, I just want to get to this farm. I don't know how far it is, but you know, I'm in the Amazon. Let me just enjoy it. And it's uncomfortable. You're getting bit by bugs. You're sweating. You smell bad. It's hot. And then I would come across this farm and this woman talks about what she's harvesting and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe her just complained. And now I want to tear up because <laughs> food is just right here. So we spent days, you know, talking to folks, yeah. going to different towns. So it's basically this research center okay. in the Amazon. Anyone that studies the Amazon, whether it's, you know, you study jaguars or you, you know, you're, you studied like all anything of the Amazon you go your bird you study birds you're gonna go to LPAC it's just you know it's it's you protect the Amazon you can go there at this point the Amazon was struggling yeah already mm-hmm like this was 2018 but that was already happening mm-hmm so did you witness any of that yeah we actually there's this other organization really close to LPAC that's called OHA mm-hmm um, Oja Nueva, if I'm correct. Um, and to get to her station, basically, um, was a hike, and we actually hiked through deforested land and crop and burn land. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically we saw burnt, you know, the burnt Amazon. Bunch of trees, just, it was surreal, because you're in this awesome forest, and then you just see, kind of, I saw my classmates, like, kind of disappear, like, stop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's going on there? And then you saw this huge field of just trees knocked down and burned. And it's just, everyone gets quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, where did this come from? But, um, you know, I think there's, there has to be this understanding, like, why people do it. Yeah. And they do it because they need money, you know. Like, and that, that's land. That's, that's land that... Honestly, why they deforest? Yeah, why they deforest? So what a lot of these organizations do is they kind of tell these folks who burn land, like, hey, instead of burning land, can we teach you how to, you know, how to protect the land, and you can work with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of gauging the thoughts of destroying versus destroying to like protecting. Yeah, and these folks just have a different means of survival while still protecting land. Um, because it's not people like they're not evil people. They need something, and that money yeah. is that. The thing is, that need is capital and protection to, to serve their families. Um, it's like all circling back. No. It's all over the place. No, it's everywhere. It's crazy. So we, that was almost. It's it's rough to see, yeah. but as some of you may know, like the Amazon is still burning, and it's yeah. going to continue to burn. Um. But I felt very lucky and privileged to able to, you know, go there for a month. Um, and again, like, that is not enough time to come back and have all the knowledge about it. Yeah. My knowledge about it is probably 2% <laughs> at most. Except for your Wikipedia page. Except Let's for the Wikipedia. Let's be clear. <laughs> Hopefully no one has gone in and, like, edited. Because, oh, you know, anyone can go to Wikipedia yeah, and yeah, change yeah. it up. But, yeah, that was a really big turning point in my life. I think that's where I felt really deeply connected I wrote so much um and that's where like I'm like all right there's something about food I feel connected with I don't know what it is but this is good and that was two years ago which is crazy to think 
That is crazy. Yeah. Time flies. I mean, Time this whole flies. year has felt like five in itself, you know? Fine. Tell me about it. I think I just can't even. I don't know if you saw me accidentally rip this. I did. So I have... So she's holding a bracelet. A red bracelet. I have two of them. Well, three. I have two on my arm, my left arm, and one around my ankle. And I've had this on my ankle for maybe like two years. Oh, gosh. And you just... And the it thing, just broke? Yeah. And the oh, thing no. is... What my mom has said, like, these, when things, when these break, it's just these red, they're a sign of, like, protection. Okay. When these break. It's like string? Yeah. Of? Okay. Um, when these break, that means your, like, cycle of whatever you're in, like, has ended. So you're starting a new one. Stop it. No, I'm serious. <laughs> in a good way, In a I good, I mean, it just means that you've, you've passed something already in your life and you're starting a new one. So this is actually, like, the fact that this is my anniversary, that I signed up my New York lease a year ago and this broke today it's just it's very That's comforting crazy. it's crazy um but now i just gotta put a new one on my ankle but basically yeah so i don't know if it, where did I'll, you get those these are from paraglide oh yeah but you can find beautiful. you can find them like honestly actually i don't know i don't know i don't know where you can find them <laughs> I, i'm probably paraglide would be the best place <laughs> to <go to> paraglide. <laughs> um well okay then what i want to know and i'm sure what uh people listening probably want to know is Anyone who wants to get involved in this kind of work, where should they look mm-hmm. or how to start? And two, anyone who, you know, might be in just a different industry, what can we do to yeah. change our behaviors or, um, you know, to, to help the world? Oh, my God. I don't even know how to describe it. To help yeah. the environment, to help food security, so, to help all of these um, topics. So I think the one thing... I can say is there's this overwhelming feeling that I'm sure everyone has wants to feel that I want to help I want to help the world yeah and it's like huge but it's like let's minimize it and think how can I help my neighborhood that means maybe your street um think of it small and then go a little bit larger because that I think it just helps narrow down like first your experiences and your knowledge about like well who need like what you can do versus, yeah. you know, I don't know, going to Nicaragua for, like, six months and doing something there, which yeah. is great, but it's, like, I think people need to be aware of why they go to certain places sure. and post about that versus why they're not helping out at, in Your their neighborhood. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's almost just, like, this audition not audition I, I know performance exactly what you're you know about. yeah so if anyone listening performance activism yeah if anyone listening i'm not saying don't do it just think about why you're doing it mm-hmm. and maybe go towards your own neighborhood mm-hmm. i guess where to begin is look on volunteers volunteer site <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't want to stress you out with that question yeah i don't I just know, i just know that like that's where i mean that's where you begin yeah I, I think if you go to church go to your priest and ask him mm-hmm. what do you do do you need help can i start there that's something yeah um and if you don't like it i think it's okay to not like a certain volunteer i don't know i think people need to realize do volunteer in something you love Mm-hmm. And don't get overwhelmed. Take your time. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know I wanted to help out so much. I think my issue was in New York was I felt like I had to do everything in the world. And it was a and lot. You just I said was, everything 
yeah. in so few words, but it covered the whole feeling. It, it was overwhelming, and I don't want anyone to feel the way I did in New York. Mm. I was volunteering with the reading literature group, which I love. I was volunteering at a CSA, and I was volunteering at a yoga studio, and I also was working. And you were crushing it, essentially. I, it was not crushing it. It was <laughs> mentally... Debilitating. Debilitating. No, I know. Take your time. And I, know. I, I my, you know, my mom said that. Crushing it on paper, I Crush. should say. Yes. And that's where people go wrong in New York, too, I think. Is yeah. If you're not taking care of your mental health, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. You're not going to succeed in the ways that you want to. Or, or in ways that are sustainable. Yeah. I, whatever. I can't really tell people what their version of success is, but that certainly did not work for me. Yeah. And I love New York, but I'm, I'm grateful that I've had this time to really sit in my thoughts yeah as horrible as it was at first and i think you and i have the privilege to take pause buttons when it comes to you know going to new york and it is a privilege it is a privilege um that we can take pause buttons like pause buttons and realize we need a break where some people can't do that yeah and i think a lot of scopes or even the privilege to think about what you want to do and yeah. be able to pursue it yeah it's it's crazy because you know i'm that i'm latina i grew up in Langley park but i think i went to a private middle school mm-hmm. had white friends and i somehow fit in whatever the hell that means excuse my language but i i'm white passing i have to be very cautious about when i volunteer am i doing it Am I doing it to perform, or am I doing it because I care about it? Right. And I think I don't want anyone to feel bad about wanting people to know they're doing good. I think that's great. But I think people, whether we're white, white passing, people who have capital, I think it's more about our scope and looking within versus looking at, you know black indigenous people of color and being well they're you know this is you know talking about their experiences and it's just we can't talk about that i was gonna say i feel like that's this has been heavily discussed recently yeah you know and especially given social media that we have nowadays you know what kind of activism yeah you're online. Yeah. So if you want to, like. yeah, if you want to volunteer online and post stuff, mm-hmm. do it. But be smart about it. Yeah. Don't do it because it fits the mode of your page. That's <laughs> so like crazy. If you, you know, just say I don't mean loud. I don't mean to judge anyone, no, but no. if you have a a pinkish looking tan feed and then you post, you know, Black Lives Matter post that somehow is aesthetic to your feed. <laughs> So be it. Be aesthetic. But why are you doing... Like, why yeah. is it about being aesthetic yeah. versus I'm actually going to volunteer and just do it? Right. But this is also me kind of getting... I think this is... I think why I'm talking so aggressively is because I do it to myself so much. I really self-analyze. Yeah. But I think that's because New York made me that way. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm is like, that why? I think... <laughs> I think it's just like... You know, it's a... New York... I, no, I just think that you're a... A caring person that wants to do well for, yeah. for I, those around you. I hope everyone is the same. Because, you know, like, That's I think... That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, 
before I came here, I told you like some things about accountability for yourself, mm-hmm. like holding yourself accountable. And what I mean by that is when you do something bad, actually talk about it and why did you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I even like that you said that you write in your journal when you hurt someone. Yeah, I think you know? it's for being transparent here, the past year was kind of crazy for me. Yeah. I wasn't in the best mental state, and I think as, you know, you're saying all these great things about me, and I love that. <laughs> Thank you, and I appreciate it, but I think we have to also recognize that I'm, a lot of people, not just myself, may not focus on the bad things they do, yeah. and kind of actually work themselves out of it. Yeah. Maybe they do. I can't talk to anyone, but I know for me, like, I had to do a lot of dissecting about certain, certain motives I had. No, and I, I definitely feel mm-hmm. that because I, I had a similar year. It was mm-hmm. very rocky. Yeah. And um, it, you know, when you're that unsettled or unhappy, it really does bleed into everything, including, yeah. like, how you treat other people. Yeah. And I struggled that with that a bit. Even when I struggled with that when I came home, you know, I felt like a 13-year-old because I was in my childhood bedroom and... Mm-hmm you know, when I came home from the, for the pandemic, but I was like, I want to act my age. I want to be treated my age, but I can't expect that unless I start yeah. doing it internally. And I, I literally yeah. ended up painting my bedroom just to like start, you know, from the kind of external, like to create, cultivate an environment for myself, Yeah, cultivate the people around me that that I could look up to, mm-hmm. that I felt like, I felt like I was becoming a better person yeah, because of no. them, but I also, you know, you know what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, like, I, I totally get it. I think envir- in, in, your environment, like, all those things. Yeah, and I, I think I felt the same way when I came back, you know, yeah. like, I wasn't in the best mental state, Yeah, and it really was toxic for a lot of people. And I hate that. I, I hate that thing, yeah. it drained other people because mm-hmm. I was so selfish with my depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I'm saying, you know, I think holding myself accountable really like feeds into why the certain volunteerism that I would that I'm into. I do it for my own. Like I want to make myself feel better, mm-hmm. and I don't think I don't think that way at all. Like volunteer somewhere where you where you like. It's almost like a, a job, and I hate yeah. that I think that way, but where you're committed, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to show up. Yeah, totally. And, like, I think accountability is just, like, it holds yourself. I think, yeah, there's, like, some way I think that makes sense to me. You yeah. know, accountability is showing up for yourself and, like, realizing the things you may have done wrong. Um, and I think that accountability is, <laughs> I'm probably going on tangents. No, I love it. I love <laughs> think it. I'm going to, you know, I would hold myself accountable if, you know, I volunteer with this one group and I've been showing up and then there's a couple of weeks where like, I don't go because I don't know, I'm lazy and like, I don't know. And it's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not mm-hmm. fine. Hold yourself okay. accountable. You no, know, that makes sense. So I think that same aggressiveness that I have towards holding myself accountable for the past year and my actions is the same for, you know, it's how you treat your volunteering. Yeah. Just to maybe toot my own horn. Please. I can't believe I'm at where I'm at from point A Mm -hmm. to point B. I don't, I don't know how I got here, but I think one of the best things that's helped with my healing is holding myself accountable. I, I, people who 
have dealt with depression for years, and I'm not saying depression is like, you gotta do it yourself. Ask for help. You know, use your resources if you can. It's hard to talk about. But I think for me is holding yourself accountable for certain actions. It's what helped my healing and like realize I need to do better for me. What I, what I really love about, this is such a fraught sentence because this is not, I don't love anything about this time, you know, <laughs> big picture scale. Mm -hmm. But what a change that I'm seeing, even in the way that we talk to one another at, at this point now, um, to speak from a personal standpoint from a, for a moment in order to explain my thought, before this hit, I was in that spot, mm -hmm. you know, the, the really sucky one, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, but I would have a bad day, and then I would have a fine day, you know, it, like, it didn't have to be every day, it yeah. was, even if it was, like, overall, like, for a year, I, I would have days that were fine, and, and I wasn't even in a, a good enough place to talk about it without getting defensive, but now I feel like people unfortunately have experienced themselves what it's like to kind of be in flux and like have a good day and then have a bad day and it doesn't have to mean it's a bad week or a bad yeah. month and also about this time like i keep seeing people say like if you're not moving up in this world during covid like like what are you doing with your free time and it's just like that's excuse crazy. that's crazy you. some people have I actually saw that too 60 hour weeks before covid and now they finally get the break they deserve yeah. who cares if they're laying in bed every single day i i can't I, and that is the whole <laughs> in the like capitalist thought that we're just i know hamsters. also like <laughs> you're assuming that you have the the ability to move up like yeah. what do you mean you're just like did you make a business did you get a house I'm i like, know no well, i did I not i was even <laughs> talking about this the other day that whole I, I heard it on a different podcast and i wish i could give it credit but i don't remember where i heard it mm -hmm. just the phrase how the phrase pull yourself up from your bootstraps doesn't even acknowledge mm -mm. where you're starting you know like yeah what your boots can be in the freaking mud yeah what do you like this is not like an equal no it's not race yeah so yeah, it's ridiculous. So if you are out there it's ridiculous to compare yourself to anyone else in any given time let alone during yeah. a pandemic. So if you're out there making a business, go you. If you're out there in bed for the past two months and you feel so good about it, go you. Yeah. That's all I, you know, it's... You took your time. Yeah. Time. And you learned from everything. You yeah. learned from the things that weren't feeding your soul. Yeah. And listen to your body, people. If your body is telling you something, sit down with it and do body scans and when i say mm -hmm. do body scans literally sit down or stand up and feel every sensation from the toes to your head if something feels funny if your knees feel funny if there's some sort of static feeling in your stomach why do you feel that way and your emotions will come i think that's just something my therapist remember when i said you were grounded <laughs> <laughs> my therapist like, exactly what i mean my therapist said that you know like you're really just sitting down with yourself and just realizing so much. Like, your own, this is, your body is your universe. This is the only thing that you know is real. So, I don't know. It just hits so different. <laughs> it's just, it's things that really help me out of my depression. Yeah. And 
if you're out there looking to body scan. Literally head to oh, toe. Oh, that's so cool. How often do you meditate? You know, people think meditation means, like, I'm sitting down crisscross and just not, you know, not thinking. Yeah. Well, meditation literally, my meditation can mean me writing. Mm -hmm. um, meditation can mean you laying on the floor listening to some music. Um, but like, if I meditate, mm -hmm. um, I do it pretty frequently. If I'm feeling really anxious with work and I feel like I'm not going to meet a, a deadline and I feel that sensation that there's static in my stomach or I have like 12 bricks on my chest, I sit down and think, okay, I'm not going to get this work done with these 12 bricks. How do I make it six bricks instead? Mm -hmm. And so I literally stop what I'm doing and I sit down and think about why I'm having those thoughts and if not think about those thoughts because that's not what meditation is it's more about letting those thoughts flow in and just letting them flow out mm. literally don't think about why you're thinking about your ex yeah think about your ex and let it move on forward observe and, your yeah observe your thoughts but you don't have to interact with yeah. them yeah but if you really want to get down to meditation sit down with yourself for 10 minutes in complete silence that I do maybe like twice a week because my mom always says you're inquieta which means I can't sit still I'm always moving my hands always doing something but I think if everyone's listening out there listen to yourself and sit down and do some body scans <laughs> uh, I'm so happy that we got to do this yeah. and that you were generous enough with your time to, yeah. uh, to come here um, I don't I know that you probably wouldn't plug yourself, but yeah, yeah. Can I give your Instagram yeah, or something? Go ahead, do it. Okay, what is it? So my Instagram is lamela. It's l a dot m e l a a a, and my Twitter is melagur, which is m e l a g u e r. Awesome. Yeah. And if anyone has any more questions for you. Please reach out to me. I will direct yeah. you to Melanie. Um, and uh, thanks for having me, Bea. Of course. This is fun. And, uh, Best of luck. I can't wait to hear more about your journey. Yes. Thanks. I love you so much. Kisses, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Thoughtful Intentions, and thank you to Melanie Guerrero. I'm Fiona Winch, and I'll see you next time.